You're listening to a Soundcast interview with composer Chad Sider. I'm Christopher Coleman, TrackSounds.com and the Soundcast, and I speak with Chad Sider about his most recent scoring assignment for the video game ReCore, which released on September 13th, 2016 on the Xbox One and Windows 10. You can find more interviews and all of our Soundcast episodes on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Music Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are found. You can send your feedback to soundcast at tracksounds.com, or you can use our SpeakPipe widget and leave us a voicemail, or find us on Twitter at TrackSounds or on Facebook. Chad Sider is a prolific composer, arranger, and orchestrator for film, television, and video games. He has composed and produced original music for major Hollywood franchises, including Star Trek, Fringe, and Lost. He's also scored AAA video games such as Lego Jurassic World, Star Trek, and Fracture. He's also done additional music for Ratatouille, Up, and Lost, Via Domus, Turning Point, Fall of Liberty. In addition to being a composer, he is the music director and associate executive producer for Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions and The Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses. most recent video game project is for the Xbox One and Windows 10 game ReCore, where you play Jewel Adams, a young survivor of a terrible cataclysm who journeys from Earth to the desert world Far Eden to build mankind's new home. Now here's our interview with composer Chad Sider. So I've listened to the score a few times through and really enjoyed it. It's it's really big and adventurous, um, but it has more to just being a big adventure score. It's really got some soul to it. And uh, so one of the first questions that came to my mind for you is, you know, working with uh, KJ Unafune, who's produced huge games, historic game franchises like Mega Man or Onishima, um, Resident Evil, Street Fighter Four, Dead Rising, and Lost Planet. What was it like for you to get the call to work on this game? Man, it was uh, it was <laughs> it was pretty exciting. Uh, I uh, I got called from uh, I got a call from Microsoft Studios and and asked me um, if I would be interested in working with them on a project. And of course, you know, I, I, I it it was the answer was of course I I, I can't wait. Uh, and they said we can't tell you anything about the project uh, until you're you're under NDA, but uh, it's with uh, Comcept. And they had only recently done the Mighty Number no. 9 Kickstarter, so I, I, I was so excited. I, I, I couldn't wait. Uh, and all the Microsoft guys were really excited about it. Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of just a dream come true because uh, Mega Man 2 is is my favorite video game of all time. I love it, and right. all the Mega Man games. I, I'm a I'm a diehard platform platformer guy. So okay. Okay. Uh, it really was awesome to get an opportunity to uh, to, <laughs> to work with him. You know, I mean, it's it, it's kind of cool that here we are, all these young guys growing up and entering the world, and we're getting opportunities to work with these living legends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, had you ever worked with any of these people before? 
this was my first time with Microsoft uh, in a composer role, although I had done orchestration for them on a few projects in the past. But okay. uh, this was my first time as as a composer. Okay. Okay. Well, what what did the developers give you as your main goal for the recourse score? What was their what was their uh, here's your, here's what we want you to do. Well, it was a it was really cool actually. You know, they sent me a, a ton of concept art and and uh, uh, kind of little mini scripts of kind of how the gameplay would would be laid out and and I saw some early videos of the the build when it the you'd see Far Eden and it's just a bunch of little boxes. Right. <laughs> um, it. it the the main thing we wanted to make sure of is that the score itself had a lot of heart because mm. we felt the game itself had a lot of heart. We really wanted to um, to empower Jewel and mm-hmm. and and make her feel brave and strong and just tell the story from that perspective, mm-hmm. like that she's never alone, and 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 her friends make her courageous. Hmm. So we kind of wanted to, the score to have that flavor. Uh, originally, we actually were going to do a, a full-fledged rock score. It was going to mm-hmm. be straight-up rock. Hmm. Um, and we were working really hard in that direction. But as soon as, as soon as the game came further along and we started seeing it against picture, uh, it, it, it became clear we needed to... Uh, we needed to give more responsibility to the orchestra. So we kind of flip-flopped it. Uh, it was originally going to be orchestra in the background while the rock score pushes forward, but then we just kind of reversed it, and and now the score has lots of rhythmic and rock elements, but they bolster the orchestra. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, so it was when you saw the actual, some of the gameplay that, that triggered that. Hey, this isn't this isn't this isn't the direction we need to go. It needs to be a little bit more, um, not less edgy, I guess, but more heart. Yeah, we wanted kind of that that gritty flavor to the guitars, and mm-hmm. and I think that that's the grit is what was important in and why we chose the rock direction. So when when it kind of came to be more orchestra, it was really important to kind of keep that grit and in mind but i think we kind of did it in different ways you know we've got the guitars still but we also do it with a lot of uh room ambience from air lindhurst the room we recorded in to give it this kind of spacious vast sound and and little things like that i i feel like the main intention of the grit has dispersed throughout the score as mm-hmm. as opposed to being the main thing it's just kind of it's kind of infused into all these other elements throughout. <laughs> okay. Well, one of the things that I, that I noticed in the in the main theme is um, you're working with Laura. I hope I'm saying her last name right. Intra, Intravia. 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 Okay. And her yeah. her vocals on that are just amazing and beautiful. Was that something that you added as a result of that switch, or was she always a part of it? We were always going to do a solo voice in some capacity. Uh, We ended up not doing as much as I had originally wanted to do. Uh, What we kind of found was there's a lot of choir stuff in the score. Um, We we kind of wanted the solo voice to kind of represent Jewel, but then we found that we also wanted the choir to kind of represent the the human race and kind of their strife to, to... 
succeed on Far Eden. So it, it actually, it, it everything just grew in scope across the board. Um, but we loved the idea of keeping uh, Laura's solo as Jewel's theme, as she's kind of the lonely voice of Jewel. Okay. Um, but Laura is so talented, and she's got such a, a like a rich, buttery voice. Yes. Uh, I'm sure she's cringing when I say that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it how records you... so nicely and sounds gorgeous. How did you come to work with her? You work had you worked with her before? Yeah, I uh, I worked with her on. Uh, I have a concert series called Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions, and I did a, a big modern arrangement of Gotta Catch 'Em All. And she's done our live shows with that, uh, singing Gotta Catch Em All. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah, so nice. it, it's it's awesome. It's so fun to watch her uh, sing that. I even put a little interlude in the middle where she can go off on this big Phantom of the Opera-esque solo <laughs> in the middle of the theme. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So was that uh, the biggest challenge, this project, um, brought to you was making that switch, or was there something else unique about this project that that was a challenge for you? Well, I think the the open world aspect was definitely um, the biggest hurdle, mostly because it gave such a great opportunity for so much sound design, and mm. and you're wandering this vast desert. So we had to figure out a way to make the music not constant and not repetitive and 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 annoying, frankly. Mm-hmm. So we we spent a lot of time. I, I went and looked at the Zelda games, and and you know they've got kind of the overworld music, and then it would kind of transition into a battle piece, and then crossfade back. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, what do we do? Because we don't want it to feel that way, but we like how that feels. Mm-hmm. So it it was it was tough to to find um, a a happy medium between overworld exploration music and combat. So what we ended up doing with the combat was uh, used an interactive music engine. Uh, so we actually recorded everything in little 10-second snippets. Um, and and the game engine itself compiles it together into a full piece of music. So when you play the game, you might not ever hear the same piece in the same way. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That was nice. that was definitely uh, one of the biggest challenges to make that work. <laughs> now, what, did that engine already exist, or did it was it developed specifically for app, uh, applying it to this game? Uh, it's my understanding that that Microsoft already had some framework for it, but mm-hmm. uh, that that's all uh, that's all Tad, Todd Maston, the audio director at at Microsoft, who I worked with on this. Okay. Uh, He's amazing. I mean, I was watching him work with uh, with the interactive music and 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 doing all the sound effects and everything and wise and compiling everything. It mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how there's enough brain space for all that information <laughs> that he has to process right. and code. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. <laughs> how does it How does it feel that you you know you've written all of the pieces, the stems and whatnot, and now it's in the hands of a programmer and then a program to decide, you know, when a piece transitions to another stem to another stem. How does that, is that, what does that feel like for you? It's kind of weird to, I mean, I think for a composer, handing off your stems is always, 
is always a strange moment because that's kind of the moment it's no longer yours anymore. Um, and, and it kind of goes off into the world. Um, and Todd did a great job with it. Uh, I think the trick to the engine is, is that he, he programmed it to make very natural decisions. Um, Mm. and we assigned all the guys threat levels every every little mini every battle on the map he assigned a threat level to so it it tells the the audio engine which interactive music uh pieces to play at what intensity and and it would alternate the stems so you might get a rhythm track and then when it loops it'll add in the orchestra and then it'll add mm-hmm. in the choir things like that mm-hmm. it just constantly blossoms which was the intention of the score and i think it i think it works great in the game did you help define the framework of, okay, if you're moving from this stem, it can only go to one of these three, but never this one or that one. Did you help define those rules? Um, you know, maybe a little bit, not really. I think, I think we kind of, we actually kind of designed, uh, and I have to give my assistant props to this great system he designed for the stems, uh, we we kind of designed it in a way that it was all very laid out in what to do. So okay. he he would include uh, we'd have like four playback stems in the game, and we'd just build stem A, stem B, stem C, stem D. So every it would it would uh, the game engine would make good decisions based on the stems. It would have everything it needed. So uh, I've never been playing the game and, and got a weird combination. I think it's worked great the whole time. Okay. Yeah. And, and the game just, just released this week, isn't it? Yeah, Tuesday. Okay. See, I don't have an Xbox One, so I'm a little bit out of luck Well, on it's that also one. on Windows 10. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. It's, well, uh, it's their new uh, Xbox Play Anywhere initiative. So uh, uh, it carries over between Xbox One and Windows 10. It's okay. awesome. I've been doing it here at home I, between my office, my media computer, mm-hmm. and my Xbox mm-hmm. One. It does it on all of them. It's really cool. And, and how's the, uh, the gameplay on each? Is it pretty seamless going from one to the other? It's completely seamless. It's really impressive. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I might have to try that out. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, earlier you were talking about, um, you know, looking back at um, uh, Zelda and some of the things that they did in that game musically. Uh, and now, you've been writing scores for video games and other things, but since like 2003, how has the industry changed for you as a composer uh, writing music for video games specifically since 2003 or four? Well, I, I feel like when I first came in, it was already changing and getting more complex. But I think the the tendency was to kind of write looping tracks. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't feel like that's the best approach anymore. Um, I, I think the way that this interactive music system is working, and, and by the way, every game at this point has its own kind of approach to interactive music. It's really impressive. I think mm-hmm. the main thing is to get a little more granular with the, the storytelling than, than putting down a, a, a piece of music that's three minutes long that kind of covers the gamut of emotion. Uh, mm-hmm. Nowadays, we can get really micro and say, okay, we're only going to have this emotion until you cross this, this trigger here. And suddenly, you know, uh, we can get a little melodic uh, it'll start adding in the melody to the to the underlying rhythm and stuff like that. So it kind of feels like a, a film score that's uh, blossoming. Hmm. Okay. Now, 
if 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 you're writing that way for video games, and then you have a soundtrack that's going to be released, which the the, the soundtrack for Records released just on the thirteenth. Um, one, did you do some? Did you write some specific pieces and record specific pieces for that? Um, and did you produce the album or have any any say in how that album went together? Yeah, um, Microsoft. It, Microsoft gave me uh, a lot of freedom for the album. It was really great. Um, that was a lot of work because we, I, I didn't actually record things for an album version. We just didn't mm. have the time. So mm-hmm. um, that that is a culmination of the interactive music system completely compiled. So wow. uh, yeah, um, my uh, mixer and I sat there and spliced it all manually ourselves and and put that together it took it took weeks to get it to sound really seamless we would have to balance and remix and 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 tweak but uh we feel that the album experience for recore is excellent we spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time making it perfect yeah well i've like i said i've listened to it a few times through i think it's a great listen um and so i was really curious as to as you were describing you know, the system that was put in place to do the music, like, well, I wonder now how they recorded this. And would you say it's more more or less or the same amount of work to have done it the way you did do it to, that resulted in the album versus, oh, I can just, let me just write a couple of uh, suites for an album and record them, uh, which is more work? Um, this is definitely more work, but I'm actually a firm believer in in soundtracks being the original source. I don't really, whenever something's re-recorded or, um, or a suite is done, it just doesn't have the same feel as, as the, when the project itself was created, because I feel like that the, the first recording is so married to the visuals of the project and tells the story. So it just never kind of has the same heart, uh, that, that the original recording has. So it was really important to me that we splice that all up. I had no idea if it was even going to work <laughs> with, <laughs> with the interactive music engine. I was really nervous. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, I remember the first moment I started to hear the pieces come together as we st- started closing the gaps and, and bridging the sections together. And, and I re- just remember getting really excited and thinking, holy crap, this is going to work. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so, because I'd been composing in these little 10 second segments for, you know, months. So I, I'd never heard it fully together. <laughs> it was the first oh, time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be, that would be quite the, uh, I can see it be nerve wracking until you finally get to hear it. And you're like, okay, this all, this yeah. all paid off. Yeah, because you just never know what it's going to be when you do the these little chunks. <laughs> yes. So thankfully, it all came together really impressively. But I also have to uh, give a lot of credit to my f- fantastic team that went above and beyond on this one. So okay. their talent and, and dedication is what made it successful. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, there is a alternate or a reprise of the main theme towards the end of the of the soundtrack uh, with Tina Guo on um, I don't know if she I can't remember now if she's playing the Urhu or she's playing uh, cello cello um, yeah. what is the story behind that does that does that reprise like play with the end credits or how does it factor in the game or was it a special 
a version just for the soundtrack. You know, it's. It, I'm glad you asked this question. I haven't really gotten to talk about this. That's my original demo for the project way back oh. in 2000, uh, for, late 2014, I believe. Okay. Um, I, I put together a demo and and asked Tina if she would play the theme. Uh, and that kind of really resonated with all of us. We, we loved it as the main theme and it I, I think everyone accepted it really quickly. And and it's cool that it, it blends so flawlessly with the rest of the score because mm-hmm. uh, it was just a demo that I did back in the day and I had another orchestra session going on for another game I was scoring so I threw in some stuff uh, yeah. I, I didn't have time to write the demo for the orchestra so I recorded a bunch of phrases that I could uh-huh. chop up and make pieces later if I needed to okay. uh, to which I did for the for, for it so if it's cool if you actually listen to the demo there's a ton of stuff that's not quite what the final thing ended up on the album you know there's uh-huh. the melody will go down here a little bit as opposed to going up and things like that because it okay. it it evolved from there but we thought since we have the time on the digital release let's throw it on sure yeah sure well it's, it's great I, I so when i heard it, i was like oh okay this is interesting I, and my first thought was i wonder if there's some some tie-in in the game of why they why they have this you know non-vocal version but it's but it works well it fits right in with the rest of the tracks cool thank you yeah we it's a little different and that's what we liked about it i i actually always like that about michael's albums too the end credits suites are always a little different than yeah. the rest of the score so yeah, it's, yeah. it's fun to have that on the album right um, so we were talking a little bit about the the central figure, the protagonist of the game is female named Jewel. I'm curious if uh, having a female protagonist, while it's becoming more common in games uh, now, it certainly hasn't been the um, the majority of games certainly haven't gone that way. I'm wondering if that was in your mind at all, thinking about I don't know Laura Croft or uh, I can't remember the 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 female lead's name in Remember Me, which wasn't a huge hit as a game, but the score by oh um, Olivier de Rivière did uh, the score that he did for that was fantastic. I wonder if you had any of that in your mind of female lead protagonist in a game. What has come before in terms of music? for uh, such a situation. Yeah, you know, I, I actually, before I really started the record score, I played uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, which mm-hmm. is probably one of my favorite games of all time now. Mm. Um, I really, really loved it and and loved how they approached uh, uh, Lara and, and, and how it, it worked. I, I really thought uh, it was quite impressive. And, mm. but with... The thing about Jewel is, uh, you know, she's got this. Uh, she's really confident and and really strong, but she's got this vulnerable side to her. Uh, you know, she is almost, it, it, or at least it appears to her, without ruining the story, um, <laughs> or maybe I just did, that she is she is the only human left. So. There's this, I, I think, underlying sense of loneliness with her that I really wanted to capture that you you hear in her theme. But I mm-hmm. also wanted to give it this this strong, confident, just m- moment momentum that kept mm-hmm. the piece moving forward, just like she keeps doing. Like nothing can stop her. She's gonna she's gonna 
make she's gonna she's gonna do the job she's come to do you know which is which is kind of uh which is build far eden uh so uh, that's that's really mostly what i thought of uh when when approaching the character of jewel but it it was a tricky balance but i do love the fact that we've gotten such great strong uh female leads these days in games I, i i think it's i think it's phenomenal Thanks to Chad Sider for doing this interview. You can find Record the Game available on Amazon and other online outlets, as well as the Record soundtrack, which was also released the same day as the game September 13, 2016. You can find it on Amazon, iTunes, and wherever digital music is sold. I'm Christopher Coleman. Thank you for listening to this Soundcast interview.